Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there. But it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. This week's Refined Collective podcast guest does not need a huge introduction. You probably know who Ben Higgins is. He was on ABC's The Bachelor a few years ago. But what you might not know about Ben is his heart for social good and justice, his heart for using purchasing power and influence for impact. You may not know his heart for faith and God. So for all of those reasons and so many more, I wanted to get him on the Refined Collective podcast and have a conversation with him about who he is, why he is, and what he is up to today. So enjoy my conversation with Ben. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and today I'm chatting with Ben Higgins. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh, I'm so pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. What's going on in your world today? How are you? <laughs> my world today is good. I'm actually getting my house cleaned. I, I get my house cleaned about tw- two times a year by professionals because <laughs> I, I can't do it myself uh, as well as they do. So this is an exciting day. It's kind of like the, I, yeah. I'll walk back into my house in about two hours and it will just feel like a whole new playground. It's like such an amazing thing when you get your house professionally cleaned. I do it like every now and then here in New York. And it honestly reminds me of like when I was a kid, my mom makes the best sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And like I can literally have the exact same ingredients and make the sandwich. But I'm like, mom, it just tastes better when you do it. Like, yeah, I don't know why that like, is, but I agree. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you on that. So it's uh, now today's just a, a kind of a, a cleanup day. It's in the summer getting in the spring or getting in the fall. And uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of like getting my life in order a little bit. Love it. Got to get that life in order. I hear that. So Ben, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, obviously you were on The Bachelor mm-hmm. and that's how I know of you. It's how a lot of us know who you are. But over the years, I think what has stood out to me about you is you've kind of overnight, like got this platform, right? Like all these people, all these eyes are on you. And it's not like their eyes are on you because like you're doing this thing. It's like people are invested into your life and into your story. And I think it's so easy to, when that happens, get a big head and think, how can I make my name bigger? But something I've noticed about you, Ben, is that you are constantly like, pushing the attention off yourself into a greater message and a greater vision. So I appreciate that about you. And I just wanted to like hear you unpack. You've had a lot of transition in your life over the last five years and your life could have gone a lot of different ways, but it is where it is today for a reason. And I just want to know, how did you get here? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a thousand. It's funny. 
I'm doing a little speaking tour right now. And during the speaking tour, one of the examples I give is I ask everybody to kind of just quickly go through their mind and then do it at, at a more extent later on to lay out exactly how they've gotten to the seat they're sitting in. Mm-hmm. Um, all the reasons why they live in whatever city they live in and all the reasons why they chose to go to that event that night. And, you know, what friend invited them that they met at some restaurant randomly, you know, whatever, there's a thousand different small things that happen in our life that end up Mm. directing our path. And it's actually kind of intimidating if you look back on it and also beautiful. Mm. I know for me, the bachelor was a huge deal. Um, but it's also just another little small step to direct my path. And, and, and there was a time in my life where I didn't view it that way, especially on The Bachelorette. When I was first asked, I viewed, I viewed it as this kind of mountain to have to climb and conquer and get over. And what I learned through that experience was that it wasn't a mountain. It was just another directing event for me. And, you know, I think how I got here then was it's it's not easy. So you, you mentioned it. What happened was I was asked to be The Bachelor. And, and very quickly when you're The Bachelor, you realize that you better hold on tight because it is all about you. Mm. Every poster is you. Every person's questions about you. Everybody's interested if you're going to find love is focused on you. Everything is about The Bachelor. And and, and for a short period of time, I enjoyed that. Mm. And it really was, I, you know, I, I don't know. I would love to give credit to God for this, uh, but I, I don't know if it was him or not or just <laughs> my friends or a mixture of everything above. But yeah. very quickly, it became intimidating to me to have everything about me and not fun anymore. It, it really wasn't enjoyable. And, and, you know, the euphoric feeling of having your ego stroked ended. And mm-hmm. I was left to question a lot of things. First off, am I that great? Can I carry the weight of this? And uh, what I realized quickly was that there was really only one name in the world meant to be famous. And I had lost track of that. And that's Jesus. And, mm-hmm. There's only one person in the world that could ever carry the weight of being famous, and that was Jesus. And for me, I, I guess realized that or, or thought it was right, and I just started mm-hmm. to pursue it because it felt right. It seemed right. It felt healthy. It felt like life would be pointing at the thing that I've always wanted to point life to, and that's Jesus. And so that's why everything gets pointed back to him because it, it really, for me, mm-hmm. it all is of him. And to end my thought here, there's a weird – thing though, where, you know, I work for right now, I work in entertainment still. And sometimes I get questioned on, you're not allowing yourself to stay relevant. Mm -hmm. You are relevant still, right? People still ask about you. They still talk about you. It hasn't, it's the funny dichotomy. It hasn't hurt you yet, but Mm -hmm. you need to start pushing your name out there. So you're more relevant. And my answer, my, my thought to that is if I never become relevant, that's fine. But as long as I still can hold a platform to represent something a lot bigger than myself, if that's a God, if that's mm. a purpose, if that's a plan, if that's a mission, then we're doing all right. And so I think that's how I unpack it is, is walking the line between keeping a platform, but also knowing that that platform is not of me. Right. And I think you, even just talking about like, when I hear you say like, there is only one name that is meant to be famous and that is Jesus. And I hear that and I'm like, in my head, I get it, right? Like, let's point, let's point all the glory back to God. But like, practically, I'm such like a practical person. I'm like, what does that mean to point, like point to Jesus, point away from myself? Like when I'm walking down the street and someone pushes me when I'm getting on a crowded subway, like, what does that mean for you? Like in your day-to-day life, like when you're at like the iHeartRadio Festival or when you're interacting on your Instagram, 
I just feel like for me, for such a long time, I had these really big ideas of like, here's what I believe about who God is. Here's what I believe about the world around me. And it was so ethereal that like my everyday life, like how I functionally lived out my life was like as if I run my own business and if I ain't working, I ain't working. So yeah, like God is in control and he gets the glory, but like it is up to me. Um, Have you ever felt like that disconnect from like that message and your like practical, how you're living that out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if, if, if we, we get, we're around each other a little bit more, I'm not very religious. Mm-hmm. I, I believe in Jesus and uh, I believe in him fully, but I don't think we give ourselves enough credit sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, when I say one name is meant to be famous, I just mean that, you know, there's going to be a lot of names in the world that are famous, but there's only one that's, mm-hmm. that I believe will be everlasting. And, and, and really the only name that can healthy, healthily carry the burden of faith. And that's Jesus. But the rest of it, like we've got a job to do and right. we've got a mission in place. And that is to bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth in whatever arena we see fit. And we do that. We right. He's entrusted us with skills and intelligence and wisdom and refining and to get to a place where we can, we can be good stewards of the world that he created for us and the world that he is creating for us. And so uh, yeah, I mean, I think when you're when you you ask, you know, when you're running your own company, you have to do the work. Yes, you have to do the work. Um, right. We've got to stop using, and we've done it for years, and we grew up in it. Um, we've got to stop using Jesus as an excuse for laziness or of uh, lack of wisdom. I mean, we can't we can't keep saying, "Oh, let's pray about it." It's like, no, no, no. You take action. Like, right. Like <laughs> that's 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 a ridiculous statement. Is all right. Let's go pray about it. That's a cop out. Um, right. And so for me, I, I see this, this world that, that Jesus has infiltrated and, and um, shown us, and he's asked us to serve well, love well, um, lean into people uh, with our full, full lives. And, and then he kind of leaves it at that. And mm-hmm. so for, for me, that's, where I, that's the ground I'll stand on, and that's the actions I need to take every day. Right. Yeah. And even when you're saying that, I'm reminded of, I did this emotional intelligence workshop years ago now. And it was honestly like one of the most like growing experiences of my life. I was like, why isn't the church teaching us how to be practical like this? But one of the big things was integrity and like being your word and showing like even in the minute things like showing up on time, like not even being five seconds late or like, I, I want to be the type of person that can be trusted in the small things so that when I get to the big things, people will trust me with more. And so I went through this whole process and I was in this program for six months that literally been, if you were late, like two seconds, you're kicked out of the program. Like that's how serious they were about integrity and being your word. So that really impacted me. And so a couple of years later, I'm in this small group with my church out here in New York and like no one's on time, like everyone's late and people are missing all the time. And one girl every week, she's like, I just need you to pray that God would help me to be on time. And finally, one day I just looked at her. I was like, that's not a prayer issue. It's an integrity issue. Like we actually don't need to pray about that. What, how long does it take you to get somewhere? Okay. Like it takes you 30 minutes. What time did you leave? Oh, you left five minutes before you had to be there. Well, you're, you're probably going to be late. And so I think like sometimes it's so easy to hide behind spirituality and then like spirituality and relationship with Jesus becomes this crutch 
to not pursuing excellence and not pursuing calling. And yes, I think like I am a prayer warrior. I like will get on my knees every day. Like I love prayer. I think it's one of the best things we can do. But like, I hear you so deeply when you're like, yeah, we got like, we're the hands and the feet. Like we got to move and we get to like run the businesses and start the nonprofits. Right. So I think of that when you're talking of like, how do we actually like practically walk this out? Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I think you said it. I, I mean, I think you said everything is uh, you live life with integrity. You live life kind of knowing that, that you always have to ask yourself what the wise thing to do. I think there's this, this interesting thing that we we will have to do in our generation uh, or just really the people living on earth today um, mm. is start de- deconstructing some of our mm. beliefs on some of the stuff you just talked about to start taking um, hold of, of what we believe is right and start taking action mm. and, and start living with integrity and a purpose and a passion and a responsibility. Um, because for a while we've, we've, we've kind of fluffed up Christianity I think mm. we've made it mm-hmm. uh, this far off thing. We view God as as a as a nice little floating cloud in the sky, and we've viewed heaven as a place far, far away, and a place that we'll float up to one day, and and hell is someplace way down deep with a red guy and a pitchfork. Like we fluff this up, mm-hmm. and I think it's just a lot heavier than any of that. I think I just think that like we we are living in a life that God has intended for us right now with every moment of every day, with every second, with every breath. And we have to take that responsibility on and grab it by the horns and say, we're not, we don't want to fail, but we also know when we do fail that there's a ton of grace offered. So we're just going to keep moving mm-hmm. forward. So I don't know. Maybe it's as simple as that. It's to understand that this, this life is very important, but also that when you do fail, because we will, there is grace offered. And so what you do is you get back up and you keep taking steps forward. Yeah. I always think of like this picture of like a toddler learning how to walk. A kid, when it's learning to walk, like it's going to fall a lot. And like the parents aren't like, oh my gosh, like you fell. What's wrong with you? Like, oh my gosh, there was five steps this time before you fell. Okay. That time was one step before you fell. Okay. This time is 10 steps. Like the parents aren't shaming the child for falling. Like it's, it's a part of the process. And I'm 33 years old and I shuffle my feet every day and I'm constantly tripping and bumping into things. Like, I think there's this lie that like in order to like do life well or be a leader or even be a person of faith that like, it means there is no struggle. It means there is no doubt. It means there is no fear. It means that I am like never falling. But I think like, actually like me saying that like, I am a person of faith and that I'm a human being is that like, I'm saying I'm going to fall every day. And like, I, yes, I believe in Jesus and I like, I believe and I don't believe like, that's what I love so much about the Bible. I'm like, I feel like the characters in the Bible are like crazy up and down people. And that is so relatable. Like the characters aren't these like perfect, shiny beings. It's like, oh, that person literally met Jesus. And then like two seconds later was like, I don't think I believe anymore. Like what? I just want to feel better about the life you're living. Just read, read the Bible. I, I have this quote that I hold on to that I tell people and it's, um, live your life like it could be written about in the Bible because it could like mm-hmm. life is a Bible story. If you, if you look back on, on all these people that are written about there's they are, they were built from the same cloth we were and they were living lives in the same earth that we are. And they're living stories similar to ours. And the difference is they're just, their lives were highlighted and, and written about 
Mm. You know, if somebody laid out my life and picked three or four of the really bad things I've done and then three or four of the really great things I've done, and then it's all pointed to the end with me realizing that Jesus is Lord, then my life's going to look very similar to, to a lot of the people that you read about. Yeah, that's so good. And that's so true. If you could like unpack a story from your life where you're like, I think this is like one of those times, like I think of like, for me, I feel like I resonate with David in the Psalms because he is like, God, you are real and I love you and there's no one else before you. And the next breath, he's like, you know, having an affair or, you know, freaking out. And I feel like I resonate like so much with that. Like what, if you can unpack, if you feel like sharing like a story from your own life where you're like, I was in the pit and I believed and then I freaked out. What's something like that for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's my life. Um, I don't know, like when I look at this, that story, it'd be like from start to finish. But Mm. a good example would be when most people's lives are probably transitioning just because of change of environments. But I grew up in a super conservative town called Wino Lake, Indiana, and it's an incredible place. I mean, just an amazing Mm. place to raise a kid, amazing place to live. But it is, if you aren't a Christian in this town, you are an outsider. Mm. And so that's how I kind of viewed life growing up was, of course, you're all Christians. Of course, everybody's Christians. Of course, everybody believes in Jesus. Well, mm. Obviously, worldview got rocked a couple times in my life, but mostly when I went to college. And when I went to college, I, I started to question everything, just like most people do. And I started to just say, okay, this isn't as easy and straightforward as maybe I thought it was. There's actually good arguments against me. Um, so I'm going to have to figure this thing out. Or I'm just going to walk away because it's just too exhausting and I don't really care. But I, mm. I did care um, for multiple reasons. Selfishly, I was scared to death that there wasn't a God. And then I did, and then if there, the second question was, who is this God, and is he actually a good God? And so I had to ask those questions. Next was selfishly, I, I wanted to know that my my dad was pretty sick when I was growing up, and I mm. wanted to know that there was some hope for him. And if not, he needed to give up that hope. And what did that look like in life? Uh, and the last was I just wanted to pursue truth. And so uh, I started in college questioning all of this stuff and questioning it too, pretty fervently, but at the same time making terrible decisions just, you know, into anything that I could get my hands on and, and got very depressed and mistreating women and mistreating friends and just kind of living a life of selfishness. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror one day after having a real interaction with God, having a real interaction over and over again with this, with this Jesus that I claimed that I knew. And I looked at myself in the mirror, I looked at myself in the eyes, which is a crazy thought. And I just remember going, in my mind going, you are not the man you've ever claimed you've wanted to be. And you're not going down the path mm. to get there either. And so mm-hmm. that was my, I guess, new coming to Jesus moment. Um, and there's been yeah. multiple throughout yeah. life. But that was a good one for me. That was a big one. That was one of my first like heavy hitters where I realized that life was a lot bigger than me. Yeah. So where did you go from there? Like you have this moment and then what happens? Um, that one kind of spiraled into me, uh, I, you know, doing quitting everything. It was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I had no desire, which is a little bit ridiculous. I did that like common conversion, euphoric, like I am going to walk on water kind of life where mm-hmm. um, I gave up everything. I, you know, read in my room and I prayed and every moment of every day. And it was a great time. It's actually a really, really healthy and fruitful time, but it was also very judgmental and, and closed off to the outside world. And so I just did, I lived in that for about six months where maybe it was a, a good for me to kind of have a, uh, some awake an awakening and uh, that like reposturing of life for a couple months, but that's mm-hmm. kind of where it went. It went to a very 
structured and conservative and regimented place. Yeah, I mean, I can I can resonate with that. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, um, but I became a Christian when I was 16. And I was like, has anyone heard about Jesus? Like, I was like Bible thumping anyone who will listen. Like, I just want to talk about like this Jesus that I literally met on a mountaintop in Colorado. But I like get home from Colorado and I was an athlete and my whole plan was to go to college, full ride scholarship, D1 school. And I did. And so I'm in college. I'm like, I'm an athlete. I was playing tennis full ride. And I kind of had this moment too, where I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, I like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And I like in a different way, I, I literally, I literally quit tennis. I quit everything I was doing. I transferred schools. Cause I was like, to follow Jesus, I think it means that I need to go all in and to go all in means like I'm going to be a Bible major and I'm going to work at a church for the rest of my life. And that's like what this, that's what this looks like for me. And so I, I literally like quit everything I was doing, transferred to a small Christian school, became a Bible major and had this like insular experience for a few years. And I think like you're saying, like, you're, like there's like an, um, there's a season for that right like there's an um, importance to like learning and digging in but then it's like you kind of at least for me like after college I was in the nonprofit world and I all of a sudden went from being in this Christian bubble to living in a house with 50 people doing nonprofit work for a country in Africa and realizing oh my gosh like all these people that don't know God or atheist agnostic Buddhist like they're living way more like Jesus than all the people that I knew in like my small conservative Christian Bible school. And so that was like a point for me to be like, what, like another point, like, what does this look like now? And I'm wondering if you've had anything similar with that, like after, you know, you had this experience where like, okay, I've come to Jesus, like, let me like press in, let me like be in the Bible every day. Then what happens? Like, I mean, I feel like something had to have happened to like shift you to be in the space where you're at today because you're not like working in the church, right? Like you have a very public life. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, what shifted was the, uh, just my realization that Jesus was a lot bigger than when he said the rules I could put on place. And I also just started to realize that the world was a lot bigger and more complex than any lines that I drew in the sand, black and white mm-hmm. on how life should be operated. So I think I started that maybe, and, and I'm still in this where I started trying to figure out how you could live life and be living in this world and be a productive member of society, but also be a true believer in a God above and live in that life mm. and that balance and, and not sacrifice either. And I think that was just a pursuit. I, I think a lot of it came also from friendships and being guided by mm. family and friends on how they were living life. And I trusted them and entrusted them with, with my, uh, with my walk and try to, you know, ask them for advice and uh, support, but it wasn't, it wasn't a quick transition. It took months and it took months of mm-hmm. being scared and being fearful and fear, feeling convicted if at everything I did. And then it also kind of, I guess I loosened the grasp a little bit and realized that grace was offered and available and that Jesus never asked me to be strangled by fear and by rules, but he, he asked me to live life and try to live life to the fullest. And he knew that, that was going to make mistakes along the way. But I think there's always that kind of restructuring and trying to go back at some, sometimes to becoming better at certain mm-hmm. things that I've, I've, I know I've fallen short on, right? Like if there's a season of life where I found myself over exaggerating 
things more than I did a couple of years ago, then I want to go back to try to like be more, a little more honest and truthful or if, you know, maybe I'm drinking more than I ever have and that's causing havoc in my life and my friendships and it's causing a, a lack of efficiency in my workplace. Well, then I want to pull back on that to become a better member of society. There's just restructuring always and, and all of that's yeah. kind of being guided by the principles that Jesus laid out. Right. There's like, never that like point of arrival. Like there's never like I, I've gotten to the place and I am now evolved and I know all the things like I feel like every opportunity is an opportunity to grow if we choose it to be and always to like press in and be like, all right, like, how's that working for me? Or, oh man, I'm feeling like stressed all the time now. Like what's coming up? Like, I think not like psychoanalyzing our life at every turn, but just like noticing, like noticing, like how am I showing up and like, how can I take responsibility for what I'm bringing to the table? Yeah. I think there's just always, always moments for growth. Yeah. I mean, the cool part is God is, has like entrusted us with this world and, and he's asked us to just go out and cultivate it and mm. harvest and that's exciting and we should yeah we should do that we should do it fervently and, ex- and with passion and so mm. shouldn't hold back with due to fear i think that's yeah. one, maybe the reason he came is to show us we don't have to be fearful we don't have to be afraid mm. This week's episode of the Refined Collective Podcast is brought to you by Generous Coffee. Generous Coffee exists to connect a community of generous people. They exist to create jobs. They exist to feed children. They exist to improve education. In short, they exist to generate sustainable change that will help create a world we all want to live in. Why? Because Generous believes in the unique value of every human being and they believe people matter. Ah, I just love their vision. Generous Coffee is a for-profit, for-purpose business that aims to make the world better through every business decision. They're best known for their specialty-grade coffee, and they sell other products that assist in producing this life change. They promise to partner with organizations and causes that are socially responsible in fighting injustices around the world. They are an organization that believes in the power of connection. And Generous pledges to use their platform as a place that facilitates genuine communities built on love, respect, and service. Gosh, mic drop right there, right? I'm so grateful to have Generous Coffee as a sponsor of this episode. I am so behind their vision, what they're up to and why they're up to it. So join the movement, go to generousmovement.com and sign up, get their coffee, get their products and get to know what they're up to. Do you love music? Are you that person that's like, I want to find out what is that next big hit? Well, friends, Stereo is for you. Become a contributor at Stereo and get rewarded for rating new music. How cool is that? Just go to Stereo, that's S-T-E-E-R-E-O.com slash contributor. That's Stereo, S-T-E-E-R-E-O.com slash contributor to apply. That's so good. And it's so true. I just read something that Rebecca Lyons said. She said, bravery is moving scared. Like life isn't about the absence of fear. I still am scared and insecure all the time. It's the moment of like, I am scared out of my mind and I still choose to move. Like I still choose to go forward 
life isn't the absence of fear. It's like what we do with it when it shows up. I, uh, I think that's, I'm right. That's a beautiful quote. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of, I think things like that are, are things that today Christians need to hear. Just believers, mm-hmm. people need to hear because yeah. unfortunately we've been spiritually misguided, I think, to believe that we, we aren't enough or that we have to be scared or that we have to walk in fear and trembling and, and without ever mm-hmm. unpacking exactly what that means and how healthy actually those, those statements by Jesus are and really what he's referring to. And so I just, I, I mean, if there's one message, Bob Goff says it best in his new book, Everybody Always, but mm-hmm. there's one message that I really would like people to hear. Or I want to hear is you just, you know, you don't have to be afraid. That's it. Mm. That's as simple as it is. Just don't have to be afraid. Mm. It's like one of those things that's like, I hear you saying that. And like, in my mind, I want to be like, but, but you don't know this, or you don't know how it is when I feel this, or you don't know how scary this is. I think some of the like most beautiful truths are so simple, just like that. Like, I don't have to be afraid. Or even if that comes up, even when I feel it, like, okay, like, so I'm afraid. I can still do things when I'm scared. I do things all the time. It's moving forward despite that. So I kind of want to transition, Ben. I want to hear about Generous Coffee and what you're up to. And I feel like you guys have grown so exponentially in the last year. And I would love, I just want to hear everything that y'all are up to and where you're headed and all the things. Yeah. Yeah. No. So we, we have, we've been growing. It's an insane, insane journey. One that I never thought I'd be on, but, but it's, this it only makes sense how I tell you a backstory. So my buddy Riley Fuller started a nonprofit called Humanity Hope United eight years ago, and it's focused on doing community development in Honduras. And the whole mm-hmm. structure and the whole reason he did this is there's a thousand reasons why he decided to start a community development nonprofit. One was that he and I went on a trip years ago, 15 years ago, and we saw poverty for the first time. And then we saw the lack of uh, lack of solutions mm-hmm. uh, implemented to solve poverty. Instead, it was just like, it was just disaster relief and handouts and a bunch of people coming down to feel better about themselves because yeah. they gave a box. And, um, and there's a need for that, but that's not a solution. It, right. it just perpetuates the problem. So we were on this trip 15 years ago and we'd go into these communities and we would... Uh, pass out these boxes and people would beg and fight and claw at getting a box. And some people wouldn't get a box, especially if they didn't come to church. And Mm. it felt empty. It felt weird. It felt odd. It felt hopeless. It felt in a sense like hell. Mm. I was pissed and I was, I'm not smart enough to figure it out why. And so I went, but came back home and for really seven years, I was just mad. And I remember being angry and I never went on another Mm. mission trip. I never wanted to go back and I never thought I, I, I just was angry. And I told, I moved to Peru to teach English. And I remember joining a church down there and then, and then saying, Hey, let's go out to the communities around the, the city that are poor and helping them. And I remember standing up and saying, I don't want to do it. It's pointless. It's just perpetuating a problem. And it's just sad. And I don't, it doesn't make sense to me why like God would allow people to live like this. Hmm. Just angry at God, really, I think. And, so I came back home and Riley pulls me aside one day at his brother's wedding. He goes, Hey, got an idea. Um, I know you've been angry about this, but I have an idea that we could actually partner with these communities to help them progress forward and help them fulfill their needs and their dreams by not giving them anything, not giving them anything, but by partnering with them to help them mm-hmm. get somewhere. I was like, I don't, I don't get it, but I want to see it. 
So we went to Honduras <laughs> and he had already started his first small business. And so what the plan was with Community Hope United was that we would start small businesses that would be successful, help uh, the people in the communities have jobs in these small businesses, the revenue from the small businesses would be given back to the people in the communities, just like payroll does. And then they would be able to spend their money and we would help consult and guide them on things that are important to help them pursue and reach their dreams. So if they told us, okay, our dreams are jobs. Great. Let's help find small businesses. Next, their dreams are healthcare. Great. Okay. Let's use that money that you're getting from the small business to find transportation to the local hospital. It's education. Mm. Let's start finding transportation to get your kids to school. Let's find a school that will take your kids into school. It's clean water. Same idea. Mm. So what happened was, that was eight years ago, six years ago, or two years ago, Riley and I went back down to Honduras. And I've gone down a couple times every year since. But on this trip, for the first time ever, it hit me that it's working. It, I'd already seen, I'd always seen it working, but it hit me with my own eyes. Oh, this is actually working. Like people are actually getting better. There is actually clean water being implemented. Responsibility is being taken. Kids are going to school and graduating high school. Like how far have we come and how far can we go? And but what encouraged us at the time was the bachelor was a great platform for us to fundraise from. We fundraised mm-hmm. through helps from other like people in the organization. But the bachelor during the time of me being on the bachelor at the bachelor, our fundraising went from 50,000 to half a million dollars almost, which is insane. That's crazy. Um, that's crazy. But we realized that's not always going to be, it might stay at 500,000. I hope it does because I hope these people that are mm-hmm. investing know that what they're doing is good, but we also know that that's not sustainable. And so on this trip two years ago, Riley and I were encouraged to start a for-profit business that would be able to fund the nonprofit. And so that's where Generous comes from. And so in January of this year, I took over Generous as the, as the operating president and CEO. And uh, I'm a co-founder along with Drew Scholl and Riley Fuller. We sell products of the highest quality with stories behind them. So our coffee is what we're best known for. Um, that comes from nine different countries, all single origin, all specialty grade all traceable. We have t-shirts made out of um, plastic water bottles. Plus six plastic Mm -hmm. water bottles goes into each t-shirt and they're made in Haiti by single mothers. And we have leather goods made in India. Uh, We we sell these products, but like I said, best known for our coffee. And we then donate the profits to nonprofits. So Humanity Hope United is our main beneficiary. They receive 10% of our revenue each quarter. Mm -hmm. And then 5% is discretionary, discretionary up to the founders to then distribute as we see fit. So if there's um, a nonprofit that comes into play that pulls on our heart, that's where we can donate to them. And we invest in nonprofits that are trying to build some sustainable change and fighting human injustice in a sustainable way so that the lives will become better and not just stay where they're at. So we want to see if it's in sex trafficking, we want to see people found, recovered, um, rehabilitated, and then cared for way past when we typically would think they need to be cared for. If it's in community development, we want to see people pursue their dreams and graduate and become educated and find jobs that can then support their families in ways they never dreamed of. And Generous is just kind of the engine that will fund this stuff. And as the more we grow, the more we fund. So that's, it's the exciting yeah. you know, situation we live in. Yeah. And even when you're saying that, I'm like, it sounds like you guys started living your, your vision that you have in third world countries for yourselves. Like you're like, okay, like what is a more sustainable business model? Like, okay, we need to create profit for ourselves to invest into giving. And it's like, that's what you're doing in Honduras. It's what you're doing in the other countries and is you're empowering people 
as opposed to like, like the picture I get and I know my perspective might be a little jaded because I was in the nonprofit world for so long and I saw like so much dysfunction as, I mean, it sounds like you were discouraged for a long time about it, but like giving handouts or even just like white man's burden of like, let me like come into your neighborhood, tell you how to do things for a week, give you a couple handouts that really is only about making me feel better for the long term uh, and then leaving. And then you guys get to pick up the mess after we just came and took your town by storm. Like, as opposed to like, what does it actually look like to partner with another human being? And what does it look like to say like, what are your needs? And not, not I'm better than you. What can I give you? But we are equal and how can we support each other and how can you be empowered to be like the best version of yourself? Like that's what I see you guys doing. And I mean, that is what I get passionate about. And I'm, that's why I'm so excited about what you guys are up to. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is kind of going in with the, the posture of just saying when nobody is any better than anybody else and that we all have things mm. that we can share with each other. And that sometimes it has to be an intentional posture. Uh, if I lead a trip mm. down there, that's kind of what I talk about at the very beginning is if you're down here to get, you know, a nice slap on your back, you need, you need mm. to change that now because this isn't going to make sense to you. It's, it's never going to make sense to you. If this is about you, um, it will become very empty and very lost and very confusing. But if you come in with the posture of I'm coming down here to meet people, to live in relationship with people, to be inspired by people so that when I go back to the United States or, you know, the UK or Canada, wherever you're coming from, you can go back with a passion and a purpose to help these people even more when you're back home. Mm-hmm. That's where we need to come from because we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. People in Honduras, the people in Colombia, the people in Guatemala, the people that are growing our coffee in Ethiopia, we're all in this together. We're not alone. And that's that's the purpose is we're trying to build a community that just shows people, hey, you're not alone. And then also, mm-hmm. and, and this is, I, I don't know, I'm going to start refining my thoughts on this, but also Generous wants to be a place that vets and invests in the nonprofits that are efficient and effective in their in their purpose. I think one of the mm-hmm. concerns that I have in today's world is it's very saturated when it comes to all these nonprofits and missions and purposes and things. Yeah. Great. And it's, man, it's, we should go after whatever. I, I will never stop preaching that we should go after what we see we need to fight. But mm-hmm. there's some people out there in some organizations and nonprofits that aren't efficient with what they're doing. Right. So Generous wants to also be that platform that you can say, okay, Generous has invested in Humanity and Hope United. They, this is obviously a good use of my money or generous is invested mm-hmm. in hope for Malawi. It's obviously a good use of my money, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to build a community that, that is authentic and efficient in what they say they're going to do. Yeah. And it sounds like, uh, like even being a forerunner on like, here are trusted nonprofits. And I know with my, my experience working in the nonprofit world, and I don't know if you've experienced this is you have a lot of underqualified, passionate people and passion only takes you so far. Like I remember one of my old bosses at the nonprofit I worked at, she was like, I do not want to hear you say the word passion. She's like, I want to see conviction and I want to see excellence because if we're all here passionate about the vision, but none of us knows how to like run an HR program or none of us actually knows how to like lead a team in a foreign country, or we don't know how to actually run a business, like 
that we're going to be another statistic. Like at least years ago, I don't know, I'm sure it's changed now, but the average lifespan for a nonprofit was five years. And so uh, you get these, you know, passionate young people coming into a new country or like Honduras or Uganda, Malawi, and making all these promises that they're not able to keep. And I'm like, it's no wonder that you had the experience you had in high school and that probably I've had, I had the experience I had after college, like after going to Uganda, I was like, what actually can I do? Like, what actually is helpful? Like, how do we actually move the needle forward with injustice and human trafficking and clean water? Like, I, I think of water constantly. I'm like, I am like a camel. I'm drinking water all day long. And I don't even think about what a privilege and gift that is that I only have that privilege because by some miracle I was born in the United States, but to like really pause and think, how can we actually make a dent? And I'd love to hear from you. Like you've already named a couple, but like, what are some of those nonprofits that you really trust that you would stand behind? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few, I I mean, I think some of them's even local. So right now, you know, we've, for me personally, Humanity and Hope United is one of the, that I think one of the important things that we do, we have to do is we have to stay in our lanes. And so, mm, you know, we've, we've gotten criticized sometimes on, oh, why don't you help in the United States? And my response is, well, I try to, but when it comes to advocacy, international nonprofits need a little bit more advocacy than some domestic nonprofits. And so, you know, Humanity and Hope United is, is kind of the lane that I've been called to, I feel like, and I want to stay mm. in. And, and so I really believe in what they're doing. I also believe in the Global Orphan Project. It's uh, who makes our T-shirts. Um, that's an organization that uh, helps uh, these single mothers find jobs in Haiti and then also here in the United States. And, and they do that through helping develop these young mothers or these orphans and, and helping them feel not alone and be not alone and helping them find jobs. And that's, uh, that's one that I have really fallen in love with. And they've been a, mm. a great partner to me. Uh, some of the other stuff, and this is outside of even nonprofits, are some of the social socially responsible businesses. Uh, Elevate, mm-hmm. you know, Newman's Own, like some of these nonprofits that are some of these for profits that you never knew donated their profits back to something bigger. That's what I'm kind of getting excited mm-hmm. about because, like you said, the yeah. lifespan of a nonprofit's five years. I don't know if non the the foundation and the formula to create nonprofits is sustainable. So, what if we started to have this new kind of arena where it's for purpose businesses? And these businesses mm. sold products of the highest quality. If it's consulting work, if it's tech work, if it's uh, material goods, if it's textiles, whatever it is, and they they donated the profits back, and that's the new way of nonprofit. Mm. I think that's actually a cool little arena. And so I'm looking more and more into that. And that's who Generous is. And so what I'd love to do is speak more and, and be kind of try to be at the forefront of that movement. Well, I mean, you definitely are like you're, you're, you're making, you're making those waves and your voice is being heard. And I'm just excited to see where you guys are five years from now, 10 years from now, because if it's any reflection of how you guys have grown and stayed, I love what you said, Ben, like staying in your lane because there's so many causes, right? Like, and I think I got tripped up over that for years. I was like, there's so many causes. Like I felt paralyzed to do anything because I couldn't do everything. But to like, like God has called you to this and like, that is like your story. And like, this is the lane you're staying in. And for me, it might be something else. And for person X, it might be something locally or domestically, but to like figure out what is that heartbeat you have and like find the lane and like go full force. And I see you doing that. And I think it's, it's just going to push you guys forward, like 
tremendously in your vision. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. And I think that's maybe a, a nice yeah. point here to, to kind of close out on is we, we, yeah. there's so many things that we want to do. There's so many things, but, but what makes you angriest? Like what gets your blood boiling? If it's lack of clean water, if it's uh, sex trafficking, if it's uh, inequality in the workplace, if it's whatever that is and pursue it. And then also if you're anything like me, once you start pursuing it, there's going to be a thousand other things that you, your eyes open up to, to, to injustices in the world. Cause there's a thousand and there's a, I mean, there's a million injustices in the world that are affecting mm-hmm. you. But you have to stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. And what I say is that it's, it's a, a really respectable quality for somebody that says, I'm going to fight this cause. I'm going to literally fight. Like I, I know people that have literally fought so that people in the uh, developing world could get their hair styled. They felt like that was an injustice and that they love getting their hair styled. So these men and women were going down and just styling people's hair because they knew in the United States how good of a feeling that was. Not something I care about at all, but I'm so happy these people do because it opens up a whole new world to the people that have maybe never been touched or never had their hair touched before. And it, So what I'm saying is when you see a passion, you see a purpose, no matter how big or small, stay in your lane and pursue it and complete it and, and do it with mm-hmm. vigor. And if we all do that, I think this like crazy little broken pieces of life and all of us being little broken pieces of glass could actually become this beautiful stained glass piece. And and I think it could be a beautiful picture uh, one day when we look back on life and say we did it together and not alone. So Yes. Mic drop right there. Yeah, right? Well, good. (laughs) Um, But honestly, this is a great podcast. You're doing a great thing. Uh, And thank you for all the nice things you said. But this is... And just like how a lot of people do it, but we have a great team around us at H&H and mm. Humanity and Hope and Generous and um, the employees of both and then the, the volunteers of both. And the, mm-hmm. it's just awesome to be a part of this community. And so if you want to be a part of this community or just know more, go to generouscoffee.com, uh, check it out, or uh, humanityhopeunited.org. Because uh, it really is a good community and good things are happening. Yeah. So if you want to shake life up a bit, come join us. Uh, we're, we're trying to shake it up as much as we can. Yes, absolutely. Well, so excited for what you're up to, Ben, and can't wait to just keep following along with Generous and yeah, just what y'all are up to. So I'm excited for the world to hear this interview and thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. I'm Kat Harris and you've been listening to the Refined Collective Podcast. You can follow our journey on Instagram at The Refined Woman, our website, therefinedwoman.com for show notes, other features and interviews, and a deeper look into our tribe. Find us on iTunes, The Refined Collective. Subscribe, rate, review, and leave us some love. Join me next time. And thank you so much for listening. And one last thing, in case you ever forget, you are not alone. Your story matters and you belong here. 